Blog Talk Radio. Cowboy. Cowboy. Well, I'm packing up my game and I'ma head out west Where real women come equipped with scripts and fake beats Find a nest in the hills, chill like Flint Buy an old drop top, find a spot for Then I'm a kid, rock it up and down your block Go with a bottle of scotch and watch lots of Buy a yacht with a flag, saying chill in the most Then rock that up and down the coast Give a toast to the sun, drink with the stars Get thrown in the mix and tossed out of
NASCAR Championship. Battle for the lead at Vegas, door to door. September 13th through 15th. Harvick to the point now, midway through three and four. Tickets are going fast at LVMS.com. Truex trying to make a pass. Or call 800-644-4444 for the South Point 400 9th Race Weekend. Kyle Busch make contact with the wall here at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. I'm Matt DiBenedetto, driver of the number 95 Procore Toyota Camry, and you're listening to The Pit Stop with Tim Despain. From Duggan Nation, I'm Tim Bissane, alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. He's at the Speedway Digest headquarters up there, just right outside of Richmond Raceway. Stephen, how you doing tonight, brother? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? Doing good. It's hot down here, brother. I don't know if it's hot up there. I don't know. It's actually been pretty good today. Um, right about 78, 79, something like that. Oh, that's awesome. I think it got up to like 96 or 97 here. We're going to be under this little heat deal for, I don't know, the next two or three days. But uh, haven't talked since uh, Darlington, brother. We took last Tuesday evening off. Uh, I guess the last time uh, we seen y'all was the sun was almost coming up. Y'all was leaving Darlington Raceway. We was late getting back to the hotel with my brother. That was probably one of the longest races I've sat through, two rain delays to actually cover. That was, uh, But it was well worth it, Stephen. And Kerry Tharp and the bunch put on a hell of a show up there. And they announced that the Bojangles Southern 500 was sold out. And you could tell it was sold out. But there were a few people that left. There were a lot of diehard people to stay, Stephen. And that's one of, one, of, one of the most dramatic, one of the most iconic tracks on the circuit that, that you and I actually go to and, and uh, cover. But we want to talk a little bit about that before we talk about uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway and some breaking news and all that. But that was, a, that was an awesome weekend there in Dalton, man. Yeah, we're going to just really have to, as you said, the fans have stuck around and watched this race kick off a little after, what, 10 o'clock or so, and it ran to nearly 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, those fans stayed there, and they watched, they watched one hell of a race go on. Um, we probably have the greatest fans in all sports that stuck this thing out, sold this place out, and uh, they knew rain was coming, but they still showed up. They still came back. They still watched the race. And I'm sure a lot of those people were tired when it was all over with. But, um, you, know, that's, you know, that's what NASCAR racing is all about. Exactly. And I know when uh, UNAM dropped Suzanne and I off, the ho- off at the hotel, Anne Marie said, tuck and roll. So we tucked and rolled you. <laughs> Y'all got out of there. But, again, I want to thank you very much for having us up there with you with you guys. We always enjoy covering the uh, sanctioned body events at whatever track that we go to. But I want to let everybody know the number to call in is 215-383-3681. Again, I'm Tim Spain, alongside SpeedwayDigest.com. 
Coming up here shortly, we've got uh, Public Relations Director at Tidal Super, Super Speedway, my good friend Russell Branham. He's going to swing in for about 15 minutes, and uh, that's about all we're going to have him because he's got an appointment coming up at the bottom of the hour. So uh, I'll ask him a few questions. I'll let you ask the majority of them because I get, I get to talk to Russell all the time. They're doing a big deal out there. But I don't really want to get into it now, but let's go ahead and talk a little bit about We had breaking news coming out, and we've got a lot. We've got some some uh, audio to play uh and like Mike Bagley said on Sirius XM Radio, this well, I don't think anybody knew this was coming. I actually interviewed Matt, or I actually talked to Matt last Thursday at Tyler Super Speedway. He never let out an inkling about this deal, but we got some breaking news. Let's go ahead and play your favorite book. Stephen, a note come out of Wood Brothers Racing this morning, I don't know, right before lunch or so. Uh, yeah, I, you know, really, honestly, I, I don't think a whole lot of people thought this was going to happen. I honestly think that people, or at least in their mind, with David Reagan leaving Front Row Motorsports, that Matt Benedetto would go over there. But, you know, they kept this thing pretty tight lipped, and he's got at least got a one year deal over there with all his racing um, for racing number one, 21 Ford. Uh, for them. That's right, Stephen. And uh, I actually tried to pick Jessica. Jessica's uh, uh, Levine Family Racing's PR lady there for Matt Benedetto. I I tried to pick some information out of out of her last Thursday at the media deal that we had here at this 2.66 mile monster, and uh, she was she was very tight lipped. She did I didn't I didn't have an inkling what was going on. They played it off like they didn't know what Matt was going to do for the 2020 season and I sure as hell didn't think Paul Menard was going to step up and say I'm stepping out of full-time cup series racing. That was a shocker, brother. Um, yeah. It, you know, it is. And I guess, you know, he's decided that based on a conversation earlier today when he was on the teleconference was he wants to spend some more time with his family. And you know, We hear this time and time again this, this is a grind. 38 weeks a year, um, you know, you're away for a majority of that, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's hard, uh, you know, people get burned out all the time in this sport, we hear it, you know, left and right, group tri- crew guys, crew chiefs, uh, spotters, you name it, you know, these people, they, it, they get burned out, and they want to spend more time with their family, so they look for other ways to either stay involved in the sport or leave the sport altogether. And I guess Paul Menard has decided that it's now time for him. He's coming to the sport. I guess he feels that he's accomplished what he wanted to accomplish in the sport. And it's now time to step away and spend that time. David, I actually talked to Paul Menard in the media center uh, in Kentucky there for the Quaker State 400 at Kentucky Speedway. I asked him a question there, and he's he's really down to earth. He's not one of them that tries to talk over your head, Stephen. He'll he'll look at you. He'll answer the question that that you ask, and he won't try to give you an off the wall answer. But Paul's a real good guy, and like you said, he had mentioned that he's stepping away from the sport, not only 
not he said from full time so that means he could he's probably going to do some some part-time stuff we don't know that yet but i'm pretty sure it's going to come out and like i said we got a lot of audio that that we're going to play but i want to wait till after russell brandon comes on and get want to talk about the transformation talladega here but uh matt d we did i we always you and i talk week in and week or either we text week in and, and week out and one of the big deals with the media everybody's been wondering where we're going to put christopher bell uh it's time for him to come up you got christopher but you got it's it's like all these all these young kids that has gone through this driver development deal like you would like you would call it and now christopher bell do we see do you think we see christopher bell in that in that number 95 the vine family racing toyota next year yeah, I mean, he, he, you know, this thing is all but a done deal. Um, you know, I, I, Chris, Chris Rundell continues to, well, has been asked about that uh, ever since it was, you know, that, that Matt Benedetto wanted to be coming back in 2020 in number 95. And he continues to play coy as to the fact of, well, I don't know what I'm doing next year. Well, you know, if you don't know what you're doing and it's pretty much a, you know, the worst kept secret in the sport, then, um, uh, I'm, honestly, I'm not sure what to say. I mean, we, we, can, we can say, you know, you can continue to tell us that you don't know what you're doing, but in all honesty, um, you know, this thing is pretty much a done deal based on uh, all the information that's out there and all the, the people that have either confirmed it or sources that have, you know, worked the process. And uh, I, he, he's going to be in that number of 95, and... Uh, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, when are they going to come out and say something about it? And, Steve, the number 95 Toyota there at the Vine Family Racing, they're sort of like a satellite team, as I guess you would say it. You know, you and I come from back in the old days. you never really seen – you've seen maybe one one team owner own two cars, but that was very odd back then because the dollars were, were, were very tight. Now we're looking at – the 95, which we which we knew when it, uh, while Matt Benedetto was still in that car, that's a satellite car for Joe Gibbs Racing. Do you think Joe Gibbs Racing now that they're bringing Christopher Bell up, uh, do do they give them the cream of the crop car? Uh, I think from what I from what I know, Bob Levine uh, gets a car and a motor. This is a car and a motor, and he don't get that car and motor until maybe two weeks prior of the event that car is supposed to run at. What are we looking at as far as Joe Gibb Racing and Christopher Bell and Levine Family Racing being that satellite team there? Do they get the good equipment, or do your Joe Gibbs Racing cars get the good equipment? Um, I, I, I think they're going to give him the best equipment possible because they're going to acclimate him into the Jagged's way of doing things. Um, yeah, I think they take a similar path of what they did with Eric Jones and the satellite team at Furniture Racing a couple of years ago. Um, it, it's just a, it's just a matter of time until somebody in that stable leaves or retires or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, Denny Hamlin seems to be the one that, you know, we talk about almost every year, you know, if he don't straighten it up, he, he's going to be, he's going to be gone, and, well, he's going to come out, and he's going to win three races this year, so, um, it, it's hard to, it's hard to say, okay, well, we're going to get rid of Denny Hamlin, 
2020 after he won three races this year. And then we find out just, you know, right after Darlington that uh, Eric Jones has signed an extension there at uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. And, you know, obviously you got Martin Truex Jr., which is uh, there for the long haul, and Kyle Busch there is there for the long haul. So you got four drivers in that stable that's winning. Uh, you got four drivers that are in the playoffs. So, you know, there, there's, you know, fortunately there's no room for Christopher Bell there. Um, you know, if we talk a couple years down the line, maybe if Denny Hamlin's back continues to give him issues, if he continues to have medical issues like that, um, then maybe I guess we'll talk about the fact of uh, Christopher Bell going into one of the cars over there or however they end up shaking it out. Um, but in the meantime, uh, he's going to forget about. It. He's going to get the same equipment that he's running in, um, the same quality and tiering equipment, the same engineering help. Um, you know, these these things are going to be built and supplied. The engineering is going to come from uh, JGR, Toyota Motors, engineering from them. Um, you know, all all the time that uh, they can get in the simulators and all the things that come with being a factory back team. It's just honestly. Just Bob Levine is going to slap his name on it, and uh, a whole bunch of JGR engineers are going to come over there and work on this car um, and supply the car for him. So, you know, the the way of getting around the four the four teams that you're allowed to carry is, um, you know, well this this is this is the product now. Um, I think there might be some changes in 2021 if. Uh, you know, we we may see a change to the entire system in 2021 um, if 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 we're going to get a spec chassis built um, by Dollar, which is supplying chassis to F1 and any car things like that. Um, you know, the, the engineering there, they, these teams may not need the engineering affiliate affiliation anymore because that's all going to be supplied by the chassis. By the chassis um, vendor, and if Dollar is the one, then they'll get the get the stuff from them. So, I think there's a lot of things in play. To be honest with you, at this point, but uh, at least in the time being, at least for 2020, um, you know, this is a Joe Gibbs operation with Bob Levine's name slapped on top of it as an owner. And speaking of Joe Gibbs racing, there, Stephen, uh, you know. Uh, this is what we call silly season to some of our listeners that might not know. And uh, I want to back up a little bit. We had the news come out of Joe Gibbs Racing also that they signed Eric Jones. They signed Eric Jones. I think it was a one-year deal there. And do you think that was – I know they had been in talks. Eric Jones and Joe Gibbs Racing had been talking about the contract extension. And whenever he won the the Bojangles Southern 500, do you think that put the icing on the cake? Well, the, from the way that Eric and everybody has talked, that this thing was, um, you know, a done deal prior to his win at Darlington. And, uh, you know, they were just, you know, making sure all the legalities and everything. At that point, um, you know, the I's dotted and T's crossed, et cetera. But, and it just so happened at the time he wins um, – you know, Darlington in the Southern 500, and they just kind of coincide with one another. But you know, that's something that was already in, already in play, already uh, a, a done deal at that point. 
I think so too, Stephen. Stephen, let's go ahead and bring on our guest for the night. Let's bring on my good friend, public relations director there at Talladega Super Speedway, Mr. Russell Brown, in the pit stop. Timmy Spain and Stephen Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Russell, how you doing tonight, brother? I'm doing all right, Tim. How about yourself? How are you and Stephen doing? I'm doing good, Russell. I want to I want to thank you for taking time to come out because I know you're busy as a long tail cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I I know you got a meeting here at the bottom of the hour, so uh, I'm just going to ask a couple of questions and I'll let Stephen finish out because I know I I get I get to talk to you a lot more than than uh, Stephen does, but. Uh, Russell, talking about this new transformation deal, this $50 million deal, it's been going on since back in the spring. we got the oversized tunnel there uh, right outside of Gate 9 in Turn 3 there. And now we've got all this other stuff. We've got the uh, Talladega Garage Experience, uh, the 44 new enclosed Monster Energy Cup Series garages. You've got this fan area that you that you brought all of us media out this past Thursday, and we've got the two of that. And it's looking really awesome, Russell. Can you talk a little bit about the progress? I think – I hope you all going to be done before the race in October, Andrew, brother. Yeah, we're right on schedule, Tim. Everything's looking really nice. Uh, I tell you, just, just – actually, that's the reason I was a couple minutes late. I'd just gotten back in uh, from from going inside and, and taking a look at some things. But I think the fans are going to be extremely impressed whenever they get here. Uh, just, to, just to see where we were and, and where we're going to be today – and it's really going to be a place that you're going to really feel like you're at home. They're actually putting in trees uh, this afternoon and tomorrow. And I don't really know of a garage area anywhere where you see nice, beautiful uh, green leaf uh, trees. So uh, it's going to be a place that you're going to have a nice comfort level about yourself. Uh, when you get here, you're going to have free Wi-Fi. You're going to have concession stands that have $4 or less menus. I mean, where else can you get a – uh, you know, a hamburger and, and hot dog and all this and, and drinks, uh, uh, refreshments, beers, uh, colas, whatever, you know, from, from Coca-Cola. I don't really know anywhere else where you can get something like that for, for that kind of a price. So, um, and then that's just the tip of the iceberg to, to be able to get you up close and personal uh, with the cars uh, while the guys are working on those cars and, and getting them ready to go out on the racetrack. You just be literally just a few feet away from them and, the thing that I really love is our, our Gatorade Victory Lane. Um, it's Again, went in there earlier and, and saw they're getting ready to put a lot of the railing and stuff around it, but the fans are going to be able to be down there with us uh, celebrating whoever wins our, our truck race in the Sugarlands 250 and also with the 1000Bubs.com 500 on Sunday. So uh, it's just it's just really something to see, and, and pictures don't tell the story and video doesn't tell the story. You can't really see it like this until you get down there inside. Amen, Russell. And that was going to be my last question. I was going to ask you about the the new Gatorade Victory Lane. Russell, can you let our listeners know, back in the day at Talladega Super Speedway, the car used to pull in forward. And you and your team at Talladega and ISA, y'all have made this back in the day Victory Lane. You, the car is actually going to come in forward, just like you told us in that presser the other day. And the door's going to close behind that car, and that car's going to come in forward. That's really a special deal, Russell. 
Yeah, you know, it's it, it, it's a throwback. And uh, if you go back and you look at the photography and video of the, the early years here at Talladega in the 70s and only in the, into the mid-80s, uh, that's exactly what happened. The car drove in nose first toward where the photographers and the videographers were, and uh, it would basically you, you would come up underneath underneath an awning and uh, park the car nose first. And I don't really know of any other racetrack today in our sport that has that. You know, most cars come in and it's a horizontal photograph that you're going to be taking, but this is going to be something a little bit different. Uh, and and to to make it a little more spicy, we're making it where the front end is tilted downward. So when the car comes in, it will actually have a little bit of a tilt in it downward, so you'll really be able to see the hood and top of the race car. And it's just something that we feel like special. And the fans will be able to be on each side of the car, so that's what really put the icing uh, on the cake per se, because the fans are really going to be able to see the driver, the teams, the car, etc. It's just really going to be something. Going back in time, back in the days when, you know, when Dale Earnhardt was winning his first race here, back in the day when, um, you know, Richard Petty was winning here, and Cale Yarborough back in the early 80s, and Bobby Allison and Buddy Baker. So uh, the tradition started then. We're just going to bring the tradition back. And as well, whoever wins the race, we're going to have the, the, the victory wreath uh, that's shaped like a horseshoe. Uh, it's going to be uh, down there as well. We're going to put that around the neck of the winner too. So uh, a lot of history that we're bringing back here in time. Russell, y'all are doing a hell of a job out there, brother. And I want to thank you very much for taking time to call in. I'm going to hand you over to Stephen because, like I said, I know your time is short and I get to talk to you a lot, but Stephen probably has – I know he's got a few a few questions. But, again, Russell, thank you very much for what you do for uh, the pit stop with Suzanne and I and also Speedway Digest with Stephen and Anne-Marie there. And if I don't talk to you again, I'll see you in October, brother. I can't wait to see this new transformation. Thanks for coming on. Well, I, hope, I, hope, I hope you'll be coming out soon. We've got something coming up next week and the following week, Tim. So we got something every week beginning next week leading all the way up to the race uh, with some, some media stuff. So I'll be in touch. That's right. I forgot about that. I guess i got to get my vacation flips going there at Coosa Valley. There you go. Thanks, Russell. Uh, uh, dot com. Mr. Stephen Wilson. Russell, again, thank you, brother. Okay, man. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you taking the time to come on tonight. Man, I think we need a little bit of heat in there in the uh, in the media center there at Darlington because all of us, we were all bought like a bunch of drowned rats in there after trying to scurry out of that monsoon that came in late before the race. Yeah, it was uh, it was something to see, but I was glad that uh, they were able to get the event in, and, and it, was a, it was a really good race for those. That, and I give a lot of credit to the fans who stayed around. They saw a great race at a great venue, and uh, like I say, I hope we, we have another great race just like they did. And uh, you never know at our events who's going to win here. We could have a surprise winner like we've had many times before. Um, 11 times we've had a guy win here for the first time in his career. So you never know. It's going to be a nice playoff weekend as well. So the stakes are going to be high. Um, the, the the cars are going to be fast, going around 200 miles per hour. The trucks will put on a great show on Saturday. So uh, looking forward to it, and uh, hopefully we're going to have some great weather and some great racing for the fans. Uh, again, it's going to be a brand-new racetrack as far as the infield is concerned and uh, just a lot to, to be anxious about here. Well, Russell, uh, I'm, I'm, I want to ask you, you, you've got a connection to Darlington, and, and 
you you've talked about it a little bit in the past, but tell tell the listeners out there how what your connection is to Darlington and how that uh, eventually trans transferred you into becoming DPR director at Talladega Speedway, Super Speedway. Well, it, it, I'll try to tell it quick. You know, I, I grew up as a big-time race fan. I grew up about a mile outside of what is turn number one now at Darlington. I uh, went to an elementary school that was a half mile away. used to hear the cars on the racetrack on Thursday. Back then, they would practice and qualify on Thursday uh, for the Southern 500. So I've been a race fan my entire life. Got to meet David Pearson as, as a youngster. Uh, he would fly his airplane into my uncle's airport there in Darlington uh, for a number of years. So became a big-time David Pearson fan and was just fortunate um, whenever I got to be older. used to go to all the races in that area, you know, within a three-mile driving area, which was Martinsville, Rockingham, Charlotte, uh, of course, Darlington. Uh, we'd come here to Talladega. We'd go to Daytona for the summer race. So um, did that with my uncle and uh, became a big fan and was fortunate enough uh, whenever I was getting ready to uh, go into my junior year of college, uh, the local sports department at the local paper, they had two guys quit. And so they needed someone to help answer the phones. I went and got the job and uh, started going to some races while I was still in college. And I met a lot of racing riders and people within the sport of NASCAR and just showed a little bit of enthusiasm and, and will to, to be within the sport. And uh, lo and behold, two and a half years later, uh, my my hero, David Pearson, his race team was needing a PR person. And uh, I got the job and moved to Charlotte and was there for a year. And uh, meanwhile, at Darlington, the PR person there was being moved up to the general manager position, and they needed a PR guy, and he decided to hire me and bring me back home. So wound up being there for 10 years, uh, left there and decided to go to work with Jeff Burton and uh, was with Jeff for 13 and a half years. And, um then I moved back to Talladega here and have been here for going on seven years. So uh, sport's been very good to me. Uh, Darlington Raceway, uh, very, very special to me, but it's because I, I went to so many races there as a kid and grew up there. And uh, working there as my first major job in the sport uh, was, was something else. And, you know, it's a, it's a great racetrack. Uh, there's, there's, you know, no other racetrack like it you know, on the planet, just like there's no other racetrack like Talladega on the planet. Talladega is the biggest that there is, and uh, no other track that's banked more or, 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 or wider or anything like that. Darlington is shaped like an egg, and there's no other racetrack like it because it was sort of built with eyeball construction by a guy by the name of Harold Brasington. So um, unique racetracks, both of them are, and I've been extremely fortunate to be able to say that I've worked at both of them, and uh like I said, I still love going back home to Darlington because all, my family's still there. My my father lives two miles away, uh, and my sister and my mom are about ten miles away in nearby Florence. So uh, love going back there. Love seeing my old friends, and um, it's a it was a, it was a very nice weekend. I I didn't get to see my parents until Labor Day on Monday morning um, on the way back because, as you guys know, it's early mornings, late nights at that facility. So I never got to see them until going back, had a little breakfast with them, and hit the road to come back to Alabama. Well, you know, this is my last question for you, but but I've seen the last couple of years they've they've been in transformation mode that they've been transforming all of their facilities. They've done Daytona, Richmond, uh, ISM Raceway, Talladega's now 
getting the, the next get upgrade. Uh, when 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 you look at the transformation that you know ISD as a corporation is doing, and they and they break it down to your level on the track, how how imperative is it that not only ISD as a corporation but Talladega as a track is listening to the fans' needs and wants and, and kind of responding to that in this day and age. Well, I give ISC all the credit in the world. Uh, you know, them being our parent company, they are investing in the facilities you know that they own. And you look at tracks like Daytona, which had Daytona Rising. You had the the uh, the, the construction effort there at Richmond, and also out in Phoenix at ISM Raceway. Um, they've invested a lot of money for the fan experience, and for us here at Talladega. To be able to offer our fans something else that they've been asking for. I mean, fans have been asking us for years, how can we get more engulfed into the sport? How can we get closer to the drivers? How can we get closer to the teams? Well, what this has done, it's going to give those folks, those fans, locker room access, basically. You know, you'll be able to be right there where they're they're working on the cars in those garage bays. You know, you'll be able to see the, the the drivers in their colorful uniforms, the pit crews in the uniforms. The, you may see an owner or two here or there. Um, I think, to me, it's a throwback in in a, in a sense, because for me, growing up as a as a kid and then a teenager, I've always been a race fan. And when I go back in time, back into the '70s and even into the '80s, you know. Sometimes racetracks, because there wasn't that, that there was not that many people there way back then, and so they would open up the gates, and you could go down to the pits, and you may stumble across a driver, you may be able to grab a tire, or whatever the case may be. You you were able to be up close and personal with some of the participants who were there competing that day, whether it be a driver or a pit crewman or whatever the case may be. Um, I look at this as as going back to that allowing the same type access. So I think we sort of come full circle where we've been able to to provide what we're providing here with transformation, what we're able to provide with the Talladega Garage experience. It's going to let people be down there close and personal with the drivers, with the teams, with the cars, um, and then just being able to do some cool stuff down there too. I mean, with the, the accessibility to Gatorade Victory Lane, with accessibility to the open air, social club, the free Wi-Fi, to the game zone, to the watch zone, to the kids zone. We're going to have all different kinds of things going on down there. I really think we're, we're, we've gone back to the past, which really makes me excited about the entire thing because I, I know how much fun it's going to be. I, I mean, I've lived it as a kid, and now I get to live it as an adult as well. First of all, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here tonight and talk a little bit about Talladega and uh, your story in, in, in the sport. Um, before we let you get out of here, let everybody know talk, uh, where they can buy tickets, any specials, any camping that you have left for the playoff race coming up here uh, in just a couple of weeks at your facility. Absolutely. You can go to our website at uh, talladegasuperspeedway.com, and you can also see on there we have a camera where you can see all the construction updates. So you can uh, – uh, be able to take a look and see exactly what's going on. Who, who knows? You might see me zooming through the infield sometimes as well. But it, it looks like a, 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 a tremendous amount of people out there who are doing a lot of work to make sure that we get everything done in time for, for our races coming up. So 
our, our website at talladegasuperspeedway.com or either one eight seven seven go to the number two Dega D E G A. Look forward to having everyone out. Thanks, Russell. Take it easy. All right, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Russell. We'll see you, brother. Russell Brown, I'm there. Talladega Super Speedway. Uh, I I did not. I knew that Russell was from the Darlington area, but I didn't know he lived one mile outside of turn one there at Darlington. Stephen, I have known Russell for years. I've never asked him that. That was an awesome question. I'm glad he got back to his roots and got to talk about that, but I did not know he lived one mile outside of turn one. Hell, he was right there at the track. <laughs> yeah, he can ride a bike down there and jump the fence and watch him race. Exactly. As long as you don't have to park in the press box parking and walk across the uh, – don't go there, Tim. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyway, Stephen, uh, like, let's, let's, uh, uh, yeah, you, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going there. Uh, <laughs> Stephen, let's, uh, let's go back. Well, let's, why don't we take a break? Let's take a break, get a breather. Uh, the number to call in is 215-383-3681. I'm Tim Spain alongside SpeedwayDigest.com. So we're going to take a little break, listen to a song. I'm going to go get me a little bit more Chardonnay in my, Red Solo Cup, and uh, we're going to come back. We're going. We got all kind of stuff to talk about with uh, the Matt Benedetto and Paul Menard deal. We got uh, audio. We're going to play some of it's long. We're going to try to cut it short. But again, uh, we're going to take a little quick break. We'll be right back after this quick song. Uh, let me find it. I, got, I think I got a song down here somewhere. I don't know where I got. Oh, here we go. We'll be right back after this song from uh, Jared Neiman. Lover, lover, lover. Well, the truth, well, it hurts to say I'm gonna pack up my bags and I'm gonna go away I'm gonna split, I can't stand it I'm gonna give it up and quit, ain't never coming back But before I get to going, I got to say I know you used to love me, but that was yesterday And the truth, I won't fight it when the love starts burning, you got to do a try. Whoa, lover, 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 you don't treat me no good no more. Whoa, lover, 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 you don't treat me no good no more. Well, the truth, yeah, it hurts to say. I'm going to pack up my bags and I'm going to go. Can't stand it. I'm gonna give it up and quit. Ain't never coming back. But before I get to going, I got to say there was a time, old woman, when you used to shake it for me. But now all you do is just treat me cold. Ain't gonna take it no more. Gonna walk out the door, lover.
posters and yard signs. But if we could sit down with you, here's what we would say. Richmond Raceway is America's premier short track. On September 21st, our plan is to create lasting, breathtaking memories at our Federated Auto Parts 400 NASCAR playoff race under the lights. And we want your support. Get your tickets today at richmondraceway.com or call 866-455-RACE. We're Richmond Raceway and we approve this message. This is NASCAR driver Brad Keselowski, and you're listening to the Pit Stop Radio. We're back live from Talladega, Alabama. I'm Tim Spain, alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com's Stephen Wilson. Stephen, that was a good interview there with uh, Russell. Wasn't it? I mean, Russell, like we said before we took that break, he went back to back to his roots. And, you know, Russell has uh, – I knew that he had worked with uh, – Jeff Burton. He was PR guy there for Jeff Burton for, for several years, and that's when I met him was shortly after that. But, Stephen, like I said, we want to talk about – let's talk about the uh, the playoffs. Before we go into the Matt Benedetto, we got all kind of stuff to talk about, Matt Benedetto. But let's talk about the playoffs, Stephen. Uh, we said it. We got the round of 16 starting at Las Vegas after – the uh, Big Vodka 400 there, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Kyle Busch was your regular season champion. we got a lot to talk about. Neiman made it in. Boyer made it in. Suarez didn't make it, Stephen. What's your thoughts on the uh, the round of 16 for the uh, 2019 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series Championship? Um, I, I think that... I, I I think the biggest story of it all and um, is really the Jimmy Johnson deal. Um, we've known for a long time, and, and I guess it's really I guess it's not really as much of a story, but I guess it is still a story to some degree because I mean we've known for some time that 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 team has been struggling and they were struggling way deep in the points and. Uh, every week, they're um, you know they 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 had fewer uh, good weeks than they had off weeks or bad weeks, and uh, it, it's just been a continuous process with them uh, to struggle like they have, and 
for that team for the first time ever that Jimmy Johnson is going to miss the playoffs. Or, um, I, I think that's I think that's kind of an indicator, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I, it, we see an evolution of drivers that uh, that come in, and they're powerful, they make a name in the sport. We see them accomplish um, things within the sport, uh, like Jim Johnson has done by winning seven series championships over the years. And, you know, inevitably, the talent gets better as the years go on, and, uh, you know, while Jimmy Johnson is a veteran and you have to respect his veteran status, at the same time, um, you have to look at the talent that's in the sport today and how competitive that it is and has become. And I think it's, again, I think it's an indicator of things to come for Johnson. I think that for him, him, it's going to be, uh, you know, a year where I believe at some point in the future, and we continue to say this, and I say this kind of hesitantly because you know I'm not trying to put out something I don't that I know or don't know, but um, I'm just speculating as to the fact that. Um, you know, when we see drivers get to this point in their career, they start thinking the retirement game, what is my next step within the sport. Uh, Johnson will inevitably be a part of Hendrick Motorsports and NASCAR, just as Jeff Gordon has when he retired. Um, so I, I do think that those are the conversations. And if I was in the shoes of Jim Johnson and the Hendrick team, uh, I would maybe be entertaining starting to think of those conversations, maybe not for 2020, maybe for 2021, but I do think that we're seeing the the ending of Jimmy Johnson's career uh, in NASCAR, and uh, you know, I'm not saying that just because he's missed playoffs, I, I just think that we've seen the evolution of a career in NASCAR, and, um, you know, we've had a wave of, of drivers that have gone out in the high, uh, when they're at the high point of their careers, and they didn't stick around, and I think that will be Jimmy Johnson's move, is that don't hang around, but go out and still be involved in the sport somehow. So I think the overall picture of him uh, missing uh, the playoffs, it will probably, at least in my opinion, would probably start those conversations. If not, they've already been having those conversations, and I'm sure Jimmy and his business team are are, are, are very shrewd and they're 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 very accomplished to to get him to where he is in the sport. Um, that they're they've probably been making plans for years, and you know they just haven't waited for a singular incident like like this to occur, but I do think at some point in the future, I think that we will see Jimmy Johnson step away from the sport, and I think that, you know, this this is, uh, you know, one of those conversation starters. Uh, if not, they've already started uh, having the conversation, but this may be a conversation spar- starter to explore my next steps, and, um, you know, if that's what Jimmy is doing, I, I honestly, I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. I'm just 
I'm just saying that overall, I just think that, uh, you know, him missing is, uh, you know, I think a lot of people believe in Jimmy Johnson. I think a lot of people believe he can still win. I think Jimmy himself thinks he can still win. Hendrick obviously thinks he can still win. Um, I think he, he's got a lot of talent in this sport, and I don't think he's done yet. And just by missing the the playoffs may be what he needs to go into 2020 and turn that entire 48 team around um, and give them the motivation that they need as to the flip side of, you know, whatever his next moves may be. I think this could be a motivation kicker, too, at the same time. Stephen, all four Joe Gibbs Racing Toyotas uh, made it into the chase this year for the 2019 playoffs grid. I don't know what I was thinking. Just sitting there. Kyle Busch, seated number one. Like I said, he was the regular season champion. And I like how NASCAR awards the regular season champion. They need to. And Denny Hamlin, seated second. Truex Jr., seated third. And then coming on down... uh, Eric Jones is seated, I don't know what number, he's behind Bowman and in front of Larson. Do you think the Joe Gibbs Racing Bunch is your new Hendrick Motorsports from what we had when we had, uh, like you mentioned, Jimmy Johnson when he was on his game? And nothing nothing derogatory toward toward Jimmy. Just like you said, he's, he's getting up in age. We all get old. And Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt Jr., and to throw Kyle Busch in there, Kyle Busch used to be a Hendrick Motorsports team there. Do you think we're looking at the Toyotas of Joe Gibbs Racing maybe being or having the next golden horse you shoved up you know where? Um, I think Joe Gibbs Racing has honestly just been working with their with their partners at Toyota to build this team up. And that's put them in the position that we see them in today. Um, Toyota has been very hesitant on the fact of expanding their reach or expanding the number of factory teams that they support. Um, And in that way, they can concentrate on the few that they do have and give them better service, which I think is giving them a better... Uh, opportunity to win on a weekly basis as well as the fact that they're taking and cultivating drivers through an entire uh, uh, program from late models to ARCA to trucks to to Xfinity and into Cup and um, you know they're dirt cars, they're in sprint cars, they're in all forms of motorsports cultivating that next driver that's going to move up. And they've invested a lot of money on that side. They've invested a lot of time on that side. And I think these are the things that Toyota is doing in partnership with Joe Gibbs to perform like they do on a weekly basis when they go out there. And you've seen Cobbler go to Victory Lane, what, five times this year. You've seen Denny's family go to Victory Lane three times this year. You've seen Eric Jones go to I mean, you know, this, this, the, we can just go down the list of stats of, you know, their drivers. And then, you know, you look on the Xfinity side and you say, 
Aaron Jones has been to Victory Lane like five, six times. And uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports, uh, you know, which is getting help from JGR, has been to Victory Lane X number of times. And we, we can throw all these stats out there. But it's because they're working hand-in-hand with one another to to cultivate the drivers but also perfect the engineering um, that they're putting into these these race vehicles across all forms of motorsports, which is why we see them as dominant as they are, and uh, not just dominant in NASCAR, but we see them dominant on the dirt track, we see them dominant in sprint cars, we see them dominant in ARCA, we see them dominated uh, all over the place, and that's because of the time that they're spending to, to perfect the, their racing, uh, their motorsports in America. Chip Ganassi Racing as a as a two car team, Stephen. Uh, Kurt Busch he run really really well there at Dodge Raceway while we were up there. He is seated eighth, and then you got Kyle Larson at seated eleventh. They both have been coming on here lately. You know, Kyle Larson loved to run that high groove there at Dodge. Do you think we might could see Kurt Busch, Kyle Larson, one of these two in the final four at Homestead Manor Speedway? Um, I do think that they're they're going to they're going to there it's going to be a struggle for each of them. I do think. Um, I I I I don't think I I I think that they still need to build up, and um, they they need some more help from GM uh, overall to get their program to the caliber of teams that they're going against. And especially when you have uh, three out of the four Hendrick, I mean, three out of, sorry, three out of the four Haas, Stuart Haas racing cars. You've got four uh, JGR cars. Um, you know, you, you're, you're taking up these, ma- you're going against these massive teams. You've got Penske. I mean, you've got the biggest names in the That's sport, right. and 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 I do honestly think that Chicken Assey Racing, for the longest time, um, while they've had their success, I think they can do better, and and that is what I feel is the primary reason why they brought Kurt Busch in. Because if you look back over Kurt Busch's career, and, and I'm talking post 2003 uh, championship where, you know, he was kicked out of his ride at Penske. Uh, he ran through all kinds of personal and professional issues. But the guy is somebody that knows how to make race cars go faster. And he went to Furniture Row Racing, and that's what he did for Furniture Row Racing. He kick-started the program that got Furniture Row Racing to Victory Lane and inevitably set the process in motion for them to go and win the championship like they did with Martin Truex Jr. You look at what he did when he came to Stuart Haas Racing. Stuart Haas Racing was already moderately successful to begin with, but then they switched over to Ford. And Kurt Busch, and I'm not saying Kurt Busch was the guy that made all of this happen, but he was a piece of that puzzle that made them go faster 
got their cars to where they were competitive and winning every week, even though that he may not have been the driver winning every week. Uh, you know, we would talk about Kevin Harvick going to victory lane more than we talked about Kurt Busch going to victory lane. But Kurt Busch visited victory lane uh, with Stuart Haas Racing and may, helped make them successful at the same time. And I think that is what Chip Ganassi sees in Kurt Busch is that their realistic expectations of the fact that Kurt Busch is, is going to come in there, help them turn their program around, compete for wins, and set the process in motion for the next step in their evolution of getting back to the competitiveness uh, and going against some of these powerhouse teams. And I think that that's exactly why Kurt is I think that's one of the reasons why Kurt is there. I think he's already proving that he's uh, 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 trying to make these cars faster, trying to, to get them in position to win. And that, that certainly helped both him and Kyle Larson get into the playoffs. But unfortunately, they have a real hard and heavy road to climb against some of the more powerhouse teams out there. Uh, I would think I would be surprised if I if either one of them made it to Homestead. Ten four, ten four, ten four, and you mentioned a good point there. Uh, our good friend Tony Gibson there, Stuart Haas Racing. We had him on the show, and uh, you know he uh, he filled in the crew chief I think two years ago at Daytona 500. You know after he said he was going to step aside, and he actually. Uh, Won the Daytona 500 there with uh, Kurt Busch in that 41 Monster Energy car there. But, Stephen, let's go ahead and go right on along. Uh, I want to get into this breaking news stuff. I mean, again, I want to thank Russ on all this stuff. and we got tons of stuff to talk about. Uh, I've got the show scheduled for two hours. We might not. We're going to try to get it all in, listeners. But, again, the number to call in is 215-383-3681. Again, I'm Tim Spain alongside SpeedwayDigest.com. It's Mr. Stephen Wilson. And, Stephen, I've got the Wood Brothers press conference today talking about Paul Menard and Matt Benedetto and that deal. But I want to play – I've got audio from last Thursday at Talladega Super Speedway. When we had Matt DiBenedetto, Matt DiBenedetto here when we were doing this presser for Russell Branham, and I had asked Jessica, and I posed a question to uh, Matt. Uh, Russell gave me the mic, and I asked a question about where he might be going to go. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I called I called Bob Levine Mark. I don't know where I come up with that. But, Stephen, if I can, I want to go ahead and play some of this. Uh, I don't know how long it's been to my question. And, uh, and I know you had a question in the Wood Brothers Racing Teleconference today. We're going to play that. But uh, let's go ahead and play from last week, Thursday, Matt Benedetto to – Today, Matt Benedetto. So anyway, again, thanks everybody for coming out today. Uh, again, PA system, not ready yet, but it will be the next time uh, you come. We hope that if you haven't yet taken a tour of really what we've got going on here with the new media center, make sure that you do. Of course, this will be the main deadline room. We'll have our stage here. We will have our, our old school magnet Talladega backdrop, uh, like we always have had to keep a little bit of the old here as well. If you make your way back in the rear of the back room there, we've got new radio rooms uh, that are back there. As you make your way left, 
And when the door that you came into, that will be the new pavilion. That will be where everyone eats at now. We used to have it on the other side of the building. Now we'll have it over there. And we've connected what is the old driver's meeting room building over there with the roof line. And you go in there, there are two doors. One door is for photographers, and one door will be for public relations representatives from the race teams. So uh, we've been able to expand uh, the footprint here of the media center. They've done a lot of work here in the last couple of days. We actually got the chairs in here yesterday. So there's still a lot of things to do, a lot more uh, artwork to put up, a lot more of just the, the inner workings of it to, to go. But uh, we have made a great, uh, I think we've made a great improvement here, and we hope that you guys uh, hope that as well. When we get finished here with Grant and with Matt, we're going to take another quick tour in here, hard hat tour. Make sure if you plan on walking that to see the updates that we've got. There's a lot of good things to see again. We'll have Gary Merriman, the, again, the, the track, uh, the superintendent of the project. He'll be leading the way uh, to go in there and let Matt take a look at a few things. But if you do go on that, again, you got to make sure you have your hard hat, your vest, and your safety glasses. And then afterwards, um, for the folks that responded quickly, uh, we'll do uh, some rides for media. Uh, we don't have the, a chance to do one for everyone, so we just did it the way that you saw on the invite uh, from NBC, NBC uh, Birmingham. Uh, Kyle Berger and uh, Don, uh, Alabama News Center, Dennis Washington, uh, CBS 42 was Ron, uh, AL.com, Brand Strickland, and Mark Edwards from the Anderson Star. So we'll try to do that again the next time we have a driver here. I know we're going to have another driver or two coming before uh, we actually get here for race weekend, so stay tuned for that. And with that said, we'll go ahead and start. And um, Grant, why don't you just give a quick update, hand that to Grant right quick, just give a quick update on where we are as far as construction and what you've seen over the last few weeks and what they can expect to see today and, and beyond. And first off, I'd just like to acknowledge our sponsor, Graybar, who jumped on this project way back at the start and, and sponsored the transformation project as we've gone forward. And we continue to be on schedule. Uh, they are working feverishly out there, and the temperatures have gotten up higher. You know, everybody that was there for the tunnel project, we were all wet and cold and everything, but that came along, and this is on schedule as well. There is a whole lot left to do between now and race time, but I think the team is, is assembled here, and I think they're gonna do well. And some of the groups are working 24 hours a day as they did at the start of the project way back. But you're seeing what we have envisioned and we're completing it now. And I think when this gets built, I don't think it will ever be duplicated at any other facility, namely because nobody has as much square footage to work with in their infield as we do with the 2.66 mile racetrack. So we're extremely excited about it. I think the things we're building here are gonna be really exciting for the race fans. We're gonna be able to let them touch the sport in ways they haven't been able to before. On both sides of our big open air structure down here, the top 22 teams in the Cup Series, when they come here, will be on both sides of the big open air structure. So basically, you can go, you can buy the upgrade to the, to the Talladega Garage Experience Zone, and you can come in there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and you're gonna be immersed into the heart of the sport with the 22 teams being on both sides of it. So you can walk, walk right into the garages on both sides of you and get to see that. And all the other things that we're building down there with the new Pitt Road Club and everything there, the new Victory Lane is very cool, the way we're gonna bring the car in and show, show place the, the car 
to everybody as it comes into Victory Lane is going to be awesome. So to say that we're pumped up would be an understatement. And I think when the folks get here and they're going to see the size and scope of what we built, it's going to be very impressive for them too. And I know you've been around a little bit. We're going to go around a little bit yep. about some more, Matt, but I'd like to get your take on what you've seen so far. Yeah. So from my, uh, from my aspect, it's, it's the, I've always talked about the, the fan experience is the most important thing. Um, that's, what, that was, that's what makes or breaks a, a family's um, experience at a racetrack. And when they can have, you know, all, this, all these things, like I, I think back when I, when I, I was a kid, and I was five, seven years old, and uh, going to my first NASCAR race, I would kill to be able to have some of the things that are going to be in the infield here, like uh, having the open air club and the, and the immersion into seeing if I could have seen, you know, like uh, my heroes growing up, go and actually see during practice their race car and getting out of the car and talking to their crew chief and all the communication and things that that go on, and that would have been a, a dream for me, and it was just so fun. Um, come to racetrack. So experience is pretty easy. Technology is, is, is amazing. So it's going to be a, it's really going to be a cool experience for, for fans. It's going to be amazing and for, uh, for us too, for, you know, the teams, drivers, uh, most importantly for me, the Victory Lane. I scoped that out really heavily. Uh, Victory <laughs> Lane looks great. And uh, I like the, uh, it's old school. It reminds me of, uh, man, back years ago, I like how you, you'll pull in the doors, uh, we will pull in, uh, excuse me, and the doors will We'll close in, uh, close behind you, and it's at an angle. It's just, uh, it's, it's cool. It's all uh, amazing to turn all that vision into uh, into a reality here, and it's just going to be fun and, and convenient for fans. And uh, and I was hearing a little about pricing and stuff, even just the basic stuff, even like pricing for if you know fans want to in the area where there's going to be low top, high top tables, if they want to grab a drink and and um, you know a, a snack or some food, it's just everything's going to be a reasonable. Uh, cost and a fun experience where they can get immersed in everything we do. So it's cool. I'm, I'm like a fan today. What's yeah, it's, uh, the the food structure. I mean, we 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 looked at it and we thought, well, you know, we're charging everybody a daily fee to come in there into the fan and fan experience, and so we thought, well, it'd be nice if we could get concessions down to a level that everybody would think it's a bargain. And our most expensive thing is the big one meatball, which is nine bucks. Which is nine dollars. Everything else. Everything else is four dollars and under. Four dollars and low. And, yeah. so, and I think there's a Philly cheese that's four dollars actually. <laughs> so there, there's good, good, good quality food in there for that price and everything. And I, I do want to say one thing to you. If you probably had more people pulling for you at Bristol <laughs> than anybody has in a long time, and the fact that Kyle was behind you, you know. Was, was probably even more reason a lot of people were pulling for you. But, but I noticed uh, it, it showed your ability. We talked about this earlier and everything, and, and you showed that you belong in the Cup Series, and uh, we certainly wish you the best. It's, it's great for you to take out your time to come down here as well and visit with us and everything. So I really appreciate you. Oh, glad to. Glad to. This is a we wouldn't be here without the fans. We can go and show them a little glimpse of what's to come. It's a no, really cool experience. So, questions? Anybody? Oh, yeah, I needed the microphone. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're talking loud. Can you hear us? Yeah. 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 Okay. Matt, one thing he, he alluded to, you know, you came very close, and, and the notes that we gave you will show, you know, Matt's statistics and everything else. He's still chasing his first cup win. Been his second at Bristol. He's had numerous top fives this year, top tens. 
But one of the things about Talladega, if he doesn't win here in the month of September and the 1st of October, when he comes here, Talladega is known for first-time winners. We've had 11 drivers that have won their first career race here, including some big names like Davey Allison, Brad Keselowski, uh, and most recently, uh, Ricky Stenhouse a couple years ago. So, you know, and, and listen, this guy led 59 laps in the Daytona 500 to start off the year, was extreme, was a front runner here in the spring as well. This is a place that he can get his first win. If he does it beforehand, yep. but he can do it. So just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that is cool. This is one we, this is one of the ones we, the team, kind of circle off as a, a great opportunity. And, and the, the short tracks road course has been good for us on up front. We're still uh, leading most laps there. But uh, the super speedways, uh, it, is, it is right. Uh, it's one of those that produces a bunch of first time, time winners. So if we don't win before then, we've been really close and on the edge of Talladega's uh, ones we have. We have circled off as a, a great chance for us. Question over here from Tim. Thanks, Russell. Matt, Tim is with Pit Stop Radio. Uh, back before Bristol, you and Mark Levine and Levine Family Racing agreed to part ways. And you had, like Grant said, you had that awesome run there at at, uh, at Bristol and all that. Is, is there any talk down the road about you getting a cup ride, or could it, or could it even be a full-time Xfinity ride for uh, 2020? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, right now it's uh, keep all options open, and, and my my, the best answer I can give is my priority is winning. We've been so close already uh, with growing the 95 team to where it is, which has been fun just because we have such good people. You're nothing without people around you. But, uh, you know, we've been contending up front and have a ton of top fives and top tens. Been on a real hot streak lately and almost winning at Bristol. Um, so, yeah, basically for next year my priority at this point, I have to keep climbing the ladder and going all in on myself. And whatever that may be, um, I can't ever pick and choose everything. This path is... The journey has been beyond me, um, but I, uh, yeah, winning is priority. And Stephen, uh, that was a question I posed to Matt Benedetto last Thursday evening there at Talladega Super Speedway when they were unveiling the uh, the uh, transformation deal there. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of stuff going on. Matt come down, he got to actually get on the paving machine and run some paving stuff there, but that was uh, that was him then. And, Stephen, do you think uh, he knew then what we know now? I mean, based on the conversation from earlier today with Wood Brothers Racing, that um, this, this is a conversation that has uh, been ongoing for a couple of weeks, and uh, it, it, it was... Paul Menard that pointed them in the direction of Matt Benedetto and, and, and from listening to the Wood Brothers earlier today, uh, when when they when when they were pointed in the direction of Paul that and they started having the conversation uh, of pointing in the direction of Matt by Paul Menard, um, those the, he was the only one that they thought out. Uh, he's he's the only one that they um, contacted, and he he he's the only one um, that they were interested in. Now Matt did say that he had fielded a couple other phone calls um, for some of their opportunities, but um, he chose to go this path and. Um, uh, take over the number 21 rod um, with the Wood Brothers starting in 2020. So, you know, it seemed like, you know, from the Wood Brothers aspect that this is this was their guy 
and uh, Paul Menard gave them the push in the direction of uh, go look at him, give him an opportunity, and that's what they did. That's right. Paul Menard, from what us media folks know, uh, whenever he announced he was going to step aside, he, just like you said, he wanted he wanted Matt DiBenedetto, Matt DiBenedetto to have a shot at that. And Stephen, like I said, we've got all kind of stuff to play, but I want to play the Wood Brothers Racing Teleconference. I know you had a question in there about six or seven questions in. Let's go ahead and play this, and we'll talk about that after that. And then we'll talk about this weekend's race area, the South Point 400 there at uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway. But let's listen to what uh, Wood Brothers Racing Teleconference had to say and Stephen Wilson's question. And now to get us started with opening remarks and introductions, I'm pleased to turn the floor to your host, Mr. Jeremy Troiano. Welcome, Jeremy. All right, thank you. Good afternoon, everybody. We appreciate everyone joining us for today's media teleconference. To recap this morning's news, Wood Brothers Racing announced that Paul Menard will be stepping away from full-time competition in the NASCAR Cup Series and that Matt DiBenedetto would join the team in 2020 to run the number 21 Ford Mustang. So joining us for today's teleconference, is Paul Menard, the current driver of the number 21 Ford for Wood Brothers, Matt DiBenedetto, the newly announced driver of the number 21 starting next year, and Ed and Lenny Wood, Wood Brother Racing co-owners. We'll open it up for questions in just a minute, but first we want to hear some opening comments from each of our participants. So we'll start with Paul. Paul, this was a big announcement for you, uh, but you're doing it for several reasons. Can you tell us what went into the decision to step away from full-time driving in the Cup Series? Well, the, first and foremost, it's the, uh, the the time spent away from family. Um, I've got two young kids at home, so uh, watching them grow and, and missing out on a couple of things that they've been doing, uh, it's hard as a, as a father, as a parent. Um, you know, this, this sport takes so much so much dedication uh, to run at the top level. Um, you know, I, I want what's best for the 21 team. Uh, I want what's best for my family. And uh, I think this, this decision... Uh, is based off of that primarily. Just uh, you know, Matt's a young guy that they can put the time in to uh, to give these guys what they need, and and um, allows me to spend more time with my, with my family. Great, uh, uh, Matt. Next um, for you, you've been running real strong as of late on the track. What does it mean to have your 2020 season secured and and to run for such a legendary team as the Wood Brothers? Yeah, it's a uh, it's been a dream of mine, and, and to, to be able to drive for one of the you know, most legendary teams in NASCAR is is going to be you know unbelievable. It is it is surreal, and it's been amazing to have the opportunity. Um, you know, this year driving for LFR um, to showcase you know what we can do and to elevate me and and, and get me the uh, opportunity to come over here and, and drive for the Wood Brothers. So it's going to be uh, an incredible opportunity, and you know just uh, thankful to Paul. He's always been you know. So uh, such a big part of this sport, and uh, I'm a great, you know, friend of mine. I'm happy for him and, and his, uh, you know, his future, and appreciate uh, everything that, that he's done. Happy for him and his uh, his decision, and I'm excited to, excited for what's to come. Great. And, and Eddie, a, a two-part question for you. First, you know, how beneficial has it been to have Paul as a part of your organization? And then, kind of as a follow-up, what did you guys see in Matt that made him a choice to to get behind the the wheel of the number 21? Well, you know, uh, when Paul came to drive for us, you know, Paul's a veteran. And, um, you know, with a veteran, you have 
tons of experience <clears throat> and know-how and, and just, just a racing racing savvy, and, and he brought all that. And, you know, when, when we started, uh, we were kind of rebuilding our team for 2018 last year. And, you know, Paul having the experience and, um, you know, along with Greg Irwin coming on board and, you know, they put everything together. And, and you know, just in the last couple of weeks, things are really clicking. <clears throat> um, it's kind of sad that he's going to, you know, back away from, from cup racing. But uh, I get it. Um, you know, Lynn and I grew up working on race cars. We never drove, but we worked on race cars all our life. And we missed what Paul is getting ready to go be able to do. And uh, I'm happy for that. Um, one thing I'd like to say is uh, when all this, you know, Paul let us know that uh, he was going to step away from uh, full-time cup, the, our first question was, of course, well, who should we get? First thing out of Paul's mouth was get Matt. So we did. We went, you know, right right away. We we started, uh, you know, conversation with Matt, and uh, that's the only only direction we went. And I'd like to thank Paul for, you know, putting us in that direction. I'm looking straight across from him right now, and I mean that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I wish, you know, I wish things. Um, uh, you know, you never never really. You always when we have drivers, we've had a lot of drivers, you know, throughout our, you know, our our time and uh, everybody's family and he will always be family perfect thank you guys uh, now we'll turn it back over to the moderator for questions from the media from many of our participants gentlemen thank you and to our phone audience joining today if you would like to ask a question please press star and one on your telephone keypad Pressing star and one will place your line into a queue, and we will take questions in the order they are received. Also, a friendly reminder that if you're joining us today on a speakerphone, please return to your handset before pressing star and one. That reason is twofold, to allow the most uh, effective audio signal and as well as to allow your signal to reach our equipment. Once again, that is star and one if you would like to ask a question. We'll go first to the line of Tim Utter with motorsport.com. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Uh, Paul, um, you were asked by someone, I can't remember who, back in at Kentucky Race Weekend about next season and said that you uh, loved working with the Wood Brothers team and had a contract for next year. I was just curious, uh, was your decision motivated or has it changed most recently? Uh, has something changed or is this something that you have been deciding since the beginning of the season? Um, I want to say that there was, a, there was one day where it was a decision was made. It was general feeling throughout the year and a lot of thought and and uh yeah when when i answered that question um i i wasn't really sure uh, i wasn't really sure at the time um you know I, I do i do have a contract for next year I'm, I'm i'm deciding not to pursue it um and i do love my my team uh we've got really good guys with obviously the entire wood family has been been like family to me um greg Irwin, um you know billy joe uh, Tony, all, all the all the all the road crew. That's that's the hardest part about this decision um, is not being on the road with these guys trying to trying to figure out how how to make race cars go fast. But uh, Matt's got a great team to to plug into, and and um, you know we've got a good base, and and they'll be just fine. And one question for Matt, uh, Matt, you've said repeatedly that um, opportunities always seem to present themselves. Was this just another example? Yeah, my my whole passing career has been um, 
pretty unorthodox and crazy for sure. So it's, uh, I've just, you know, I believe strongly in, in fate and that everything happens for a reason. And I've had to trust in that throughout this whole journey, because if I had control of everything throughout my career, um, I, I would have messed it up many, many times. So there was, I just have had to always work as hard as I can. And, you know, I, uh, I live for this uh, day and night and then just um, have had to let the things, you know, out of my control fall as they may. So I've been uh, just really lucky. And this is obviously just unreal how this path has worked out and this opportunity is working out to come here. And you know, so many, so many people have to believe in me for, for this opportunity, including Paul, the Wood brothers uh, and everybody at you know, Fenske. And, and then, um, so it's been uh been quite the, the path and you know Menards and motorcrafts it's it's taken so many people to to believe in me for this to happen thank you very much thank you and we'll move on next to the line of claire lang with sirius xm nascar please go ahead your line is open thank you i have a question for paul and for matt uh, Paul, what do you plan to do? You have many options, I'm sure, and I don't know if you'll be uh, related to business, if you'll help the Wood Brothers out, if you'll go work with your dad. I mean, so many things that you could do. You know, in addition to being with your family, what have your thoughts been about what you might pursue? Well, the, the way I look at it, there's still 26 years before I can get my ARP card, so I'll, I'll stay pretty busy <laughs> uh, doing things. First and foremost, I need to be a good dad, a uh, good husband. Um, but there's outside of that, there's there's a lot of opportunities, and um, you know, obviously we have a we have a great company up in Wisconsin that that's growing, it's, it's vibrant. So uh, I'm going to do what I can to help them out for sure. And uh, I'm not I'm not done racing yet, um, trying to figure out what the next step is for sure. But uh, it's not going to be 38 weeks a year, I tell you that. Real quickly, you mean you take a part-time ride, or maybe Xfinity, or something like that? In ice racing. <laughs> ice race is a lot of fun. I'm going to know that in a few years, so we might build a, a badass ice racing car. I like that idea. I heard it's a lot of fun. And Matt, how did this come down? I know that you've been very emotional. Your wife, you know, was crying and thinking what was going to be next, and I, I don't blame, you know, all of you for being worried or thinking and then having a lot of faith. Talk about how it came that you heard from the Wood Brothers, your reaction, and uh, and when this all came down, uh, you know, I, I can't even imagine for you. Yeah, it was uh, it was cr crazy because Bristol was an emotional week and weekend having a you know a great run, but um, there were a lot of you know tears after that. My wife was so nervous, like, man, this guy could be you know again in a situation where I I don't have anything next year, not sure, and then um, you know a little bit after. Uh, the Bristol race weekend is when I got the first uh, phone call and, you know, when Paul was, uh, you know, thinking about uh, making this decision. So it all came together really quick and it's just amazing how, how things turned. So I wasn't, uh, I definitely wasn't expecting it, but, you know, one, one thing I've always said is, uh, you know, a priority of mine has been always gaining respect of other drivers and veterans like Paul, because they can, uh, you know, they can be your, your best, um, allies and huge, a huge influence on your entire career and and this is a perfect example of you know uh paul is you know not only making a big decision for his life and career but he's impacting my entire life family and everything i've worked for my whole life so uh 
you know, a thank you for stuff like that just can never be enough. So who called you, Paul or the Ren or Eddie, one of the Wood Brothers? How, how did how did the call come down? Uh, well, the the Penske guys uh, reached out to me, um, and you know, in unison with uh, the Wood Brothers. So it was a it was a big discussion of a, a group of people, and you know, Paul uh, putting out that word as well. So it took all of them to discuss it before they reached out to me and had the uh, the first uh, the first talk and meeting, and it all came together very quickly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Good luck. And we'll take our next question from Jordan Bianchi with The Athletic. Please go ahead. Uh, yes, this question is for the Wood Brothers. When Paul gave you uh, the decision, uh, gave you his decision that he was going to step away at the end of the season, what, how long did it take you to reach out to Matt, and was he your first choice? And what is the, the time frame there between Paul telling you and then reaching out to Matt? Yeah, uh, you know, it, like I said, uh, you know, when – when Paul told us that, that he was going to step away, um, you know, we talked about, you know, with, with him quite a while, uh, you know, like what his situation was, you know, he wanted to, you know, spend more time with his family and, and all that. And so then we, then we asked him the question, well, who should we get? And like I said, a while ago, he said, Matt, and we, he was the only, um, only one we talked to. And, um, you know, it did come together really, really quickly, which, which is good. Um, I've been in some things, you know, in the past where it, it takes, you know, all summer long or, you know, a long time to work things out. But, um, you know, Matt was uh, pretty much ready to go. And um, just the way it all un unfolded, it was like it was meant to be. And, Mr. Bianchi, does that – answer your question and hearing no response we'll move next to Jeff Gluck also with the athletic yeah I guess I'm wondering uh, are you guys uh, surprised at all that you were able to keep this um, without it leaking out in this day and age where everything seems to come out were you expecting that this would uh, somehow get out there um, and you know, did did you anticipate being able to keep it a secret? You know, we we was just trying to keep you know keep not so much a secret, but just um, you know once the decision was made and we got everything done, we just decided to um, you know we just didn't talk about it. We just decided we would uh, you know we picked today to to talk about it, and um, it kind of worked out. Um, it just, um, you know, there's not not a lot of secrets in in racing or NASCAR. Or there's not a lot of secrets anywhere anymore. But um, it, um, you know, it was, it was fun fun keeping it. I guess you know, keeping it a secret, <laughs> kind of counting it down to see if somebody got a hold of it before the hour. And um, fortunately for for us, it didn't. So um, that's kind of the way it played out. Gotta love it when a plan comes together. Yeah. <laughs> and see, and that was the uh, Wood Brothers Racing Teleconference there uh, with Paul Menard stepping aside. He's not going to race full-time Cup Series next year, and they put Guido, our good friend Matt Benedetto, in the car there. Your thoughts on that, brother? 
I think it's a positive step for them. Um, they've they've been getting better, especially with their alliance with Penske. They went to Adrian Lane for the ninth time with Ryan Blaney, um, and I think uh, Paul Menard is. Is is continuing to to make that team better. I mean, may not show it because uh, you know, they're they're not winning every week, or you know, may, might may not be talking about them every week. But Pulmonard is getting those cars to where they need to be and perform where they need to be. And I think um, you're going to see that Matt is going to take these cars over. And uh, with with Penske's help, uh, I think we will see them. Um, running up there in top ten, top five um, next year more often. That's right, I too, too, brother. And just to let our listeners know, and to let you know too, I talked to Jessica, which Jessica is uh, Matt Benedetto's PR lady there at Talladega Super Speedway this past Thursday when we had that media deal there, and she told me to email her because I told her I wanted to get Matt on before the year completed and this was prior to all this stuff so Stephen we're going to try to get them on but Stephen again we're going to Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend the uh, first round of the Na- of the Monster Engine NASCAR Cup Series playoffs do you have the schedule the radio schedule TV times and all that brother I don't want to put you on the spot but uh, let our listeners know yeah you got uh, Friday you got three days of racing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, kicking off with the uh, NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Series qualifying at 5.35 Eastern time uh, for those guys. Then at 9 p.m., uh, the World of West, at World of Westgate, 200, 9 p.m., uh, FS1 has your coverage, PRN, and Sirius XM has the coverage for that. That's 134 laps, 201 miles for those guys. Uh, then kicking off on Saturday, you got Xfinity Series qualifying at 2.35. Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series qualifying at 4.05. It's an impound race, one lap, one single vehicle fall positions for that. Then at 7.30 p.m. on NBCSN, the Rhino Pro Truck Outfitters 300 for the Xfinity Series, 200 laps, 300 miles. Then on Sunday, first round of the playoffs for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Yes, that is correct. It's a 7 p.m. primetime race for the first race uh, of the playoffs for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, for the South Point 400, 267 miles, 400.5 miles. For them, NBC, SN, Sirius XM, PRN, Heavy Radio, radio Call, and TV uh, for, for that event this weekend. A lot of big racing this weekend. Stephen, thank you very much for your coverage, and thank you very much for letting our listeners know the TV times, radio times, and everything like that. And, again, I want to thank Russell Branham, Public Relations Director there for Tidal Super Speedway, coming on and talking to Stephen and I about the Transformation Dega, the Gray Bar Project. Uh, like Russell said, get your tickets, come out. This is going to be really awesome. You're going to have a up. The fans are going to get an up-close view in the garage area for the top 22 teams. And, Stephen, before we jump out of here, I want to let you let everybody know if they can follow you on social media and your website, brother. And I want to thank you for hosting my website, pitstopradio.net. Again, you got the floor, brother. You can follow us at speedway.js on Twitter, facebook.com, 
slash Speedway Digest and SpeedwayDigest.com. Stephen, thank you very much, brother. And we will talk to you next Tuesday evening. Guess to be decided again. I'm Tim Spain, alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. Until next Tuesday, y'all have a good evening and watch everything there at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. They put on a great show there. We'll talk to you next Tuesday evening. See ya.
to start the playoffs here at Las Vegas Motor Speedway in the South Point 400. Night, light, and the fight for the NASCAR championship. Battle for the lead at Vegas, door to door. September 13th through 15th. Harvick to the point now, midway through three and four. Tickets are going fast at LVMS.com. Truex trying to make a pass. Or call 800-644-4444 for the South Point 400 night race weekend. Kyle Busch made contact with the wall here at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. 